Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, claims of the paranormal. No, we take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I am Ross Blotcher. I'm Carrie Poppy, and we have a guest today. You may remember him. Bob Larson. Bob Larson. Yeah, the Exorcist. The Exorcist. Woo, That's welcome, right. Bob. We've talked a lot. Uh, hey, Bob, just random question. What did you think of the new Russell Crowe film? Russell Crowe's new movie, The Pope's Exorcist is evil. Oh, that's pretty bad. More than that, it's demonic. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's an abomination. Wow, that sounds really, really bad. Now, now have you liked Russell Crowe before in previous films? I liked him in the movie A Beautiful Mind. In fact, I've recommended the movie to those whose family members are struggling with mental illness, especially with schizophrenia and various forms of psychosis. But this new film was scripted in hell. Okay, but, but that's really all you have to say? I can't say enough bad things about it. Well, okay. Uh, boy, I'm really sorry you didn't like it. Um, do you feel like you should be talking about this, though? Like, are you really the right guy? Like, you're not even Catholic or anything? I'm the only Protestant minister who can speak with authority about this film. Oh, wait. Did you actually know Gabriel Amort? I knew him. I met with him personally at the Vatican. He personally signed my prized 1733 edition of the Catholic Ritual Ramada. Really? That's cool. That's cool. I Le- love legit books. Legit cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we love books here. But would you say the film was accurate in its depiction of exorcisms? The grotesque and hellish elements of this movie, The Pope's Exorcist, the plot are unlike the reality of a true exorcism. Something I've never been clear on is whether Christians can be possessed or if, like, you know, salvation prevents that. Most demoniacs are normal people, even Christians tormented by evil spirits. Um, was he, I mean, okay, I'm just going to ask it. Was he ever possessed? This movie lies that Father Amorth was ever himself possessed, like portrayed in this film. W- would you say that the, uh, the language in the film was mm. accurate? Yes, demons do curse, but this movie is a celebration of the F word over and over and over. Okay. I wouldn't say it was a celebration, but okay. Yeah, no, I see what you, what you mean. Like, they used that a lot, yeah. What about the thing where he, like, uh, had a little to drink? You do that? That's a lie. No exorcist, including Amorth, would drink whiskey to bolster courage to take on Satan as they do with a fictionalized final battle with evil in this movie. Bob, what would you say to someone who wants to see this movie? You might get demons if you see this film for curiosity or entertainment. Oh, shit. Uh, shoot. Um, that's really bad news because we did go see it for entertainment and curiosity, if I'm being honest. Oh, he's leaving. Oh, he's marching Wait, out. Bob, oh, he's come back. He's always oh, slamming the door quietly. Oh, <laughs> he's so God mad. Damn it! But he's so polite. Of course, we're just kidding. It wasn't real, Bob. I'm not. That was from his review of the Pope's Exorcist. In fact, he even said, "I'm seeing this, so all of you don't have to." But we thought, well, we have to. Yeah, yeah. So all of you don't have to. <laughs> Unless you want to. Uh, I got to say, I ended up not a big fan of the movie, but for very different reasons than Bob. Yes, me too. So I first heard about this movie because I was in Santa Monica seeing my friend Lindsay. Oh. And I was taking a day off and I was like, I want to see what movies are out there. Maybe I'll go to the movies by myself. And this movie was on offer. And you like a good horror film, right? I do, yeah. Of the I two feel of us, like... you are the horror aficionado. Okay, yeah. I mean, I feel like a horror movie is just kind of always a winner. It's kind of the pizza of movies. It's like, that's going to be good enough. I'm going to have fun. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about you? You like horror movies? No, not really. Okay, so I invited Ross. It's only when people around me tell me, this is actually really smart, you know, or, or it has some interesting oh, redeeming right. factor. But if there's intelligence behind it, it's well done. It has a Rotten Tomatoes score in the 90s or something. I'll be like, okay, I'm into it. And then usually, yeah, I'll be like, yeah, that was good. If you are a Max Fund member, you can go to our BOCO and find Ross watching Midsommar for the first time, mm-hmm. which was great. Now I, 
I was going to say, now I know more about this exorcist, but I really don't. Yeah, I, I knew the film existed. I'd heard the name, but I didn't know Russell Crowe was involved, and I still don't know why he was involved. <laughs> like, how did the script get to Russell Crowe, who I would assume has quite a bit of leeway in picking film projects? What was it about this that he was like, I want to do this? Was it like, I get to try to master some languages? or? Okay, here's my theory. Okay. Okay, so after I did my TED Talk, some bigwig <laughs> at 20th Century Fox called me in for a general and was like, hey, would you want to make this into a movie? And like at first I was like, maybe, like my haunting story. And I thought, could be educational, could be cool, could be well done. And then as he was describing it, I was like, wait a minute, this sounds like crap. This, okay. this sounds okay. like he wanted to make it very even-handed. So it was like, maybe she was haunted, maybe she wasn't. And I was like, uh-huh. no, I wasn't. That's the point. I wasn't. <laughs> um, anyway, so I'm picturing Russell Crowe like being like, okay, so there really was this exorcist and maybe it's going to be like this really cerebral take. Mm-hmm. But... Then at some point he should have caught though. on because the yeah he's, it's not good. He's a veteran. He's been around. Yeah, yeah, I just don't know how he got hoodwinked. Yeah, it's not good, y'all. But it's in theaters now. You can go see it. That's one thing going for it. <laughs> it is a movie and it's happening now. Uh, so the character that he's playing is a real character. But as the film tells you at the end, as most films do, any resemblance to any real characters or real events is completely coincidental. It's like, well, you're using a real person's name. Uh, Yeah, it's like when uh, psychics are like, this is for entertainment purposes, mm -hmm. but I told you how to change your life completely. Boilerplate that we have to put at the end for legal purposes. But yeah, you used a real exorcist name and that exorcist is Gabriel Amort. Yes, who was a exorcist who worked with the Catholic Church. I guess you could say for the Catholic Church. I mentioned this to my dad that we had seen this film and he said, okay, now when you say the Pope's exorcist, does that mean he performed exorcisms on the Pope? Ooh, fun. <laughs> yeah, and I what like... What a fun Protestant question. I like that take. And then he said, or, you know, what? what is the actual <laughs> answer? Was he commissioned by the Pope for the purpose of administering exorcisms? That is why he's called that. Uh, but yeah, he's he is a well-known figure in this sphere, and Bob has talked about him before, and uh, he looks, or looked, I should say, he died in 2016, he looked nothing like Russell Crowe. Mm, uh, yeah, he, definitely. If you slapped a suit on him, you'd think he was some um, U.S. senator in mm. his 80s or something. Yeah, yeah, he looks kind of like a bean. Yeah, kind of like, a, I was thinking like naked mole rat. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just kind of like, sort of like a fleshy uh, yeah. white guy with sort of translucent skin. Yeah, it yeah. looks like a garbanzo bean, and I love garbanzo beans. Yeah, nothing against Nothing against naked if you're a mole bean rats, and you're great. listening. I like, I love pinto, I love lime. <laughs> okay, so Father Gabriel Amorth claimed to carry out more than 50,000 exorcisms. Yep. Oh, and by the way, he's Catholic, in case you hadn't he picked was, that up yeah. from the Pope reference or anything. <laughs> right, but, that, that Pope. But Bob had a real respect for Gabriel Amort. By the way, it's spelled, it looks like Amorth, but everyone kept saying Amort. Uh, and he's Italian, spoke Italian, barely spoke English. Mm-hmm. I always want to call him Amarth. Instead of a mort or a morth, because uh, there's a Swedish death metal band called Amon Amarth, which is a Tolkien reference. It's the, oh, okay. uh, the elvish name for Mount Doom uh, uh. in the Lord of the Rings series. But uh, it's not a marth, it's Gabriel Amort. Anyways, okay. now that we've established that. Yeah, you know, Bob liked him, I think, largely because he took exorcism seriously. Mm-hmm. He didn't see this as something that was going out of vogue. In fact, he seemed to think that we needed more exorcists. Right. I found I found this 1996 article in the Sunday Telegraph, and I just wanted to read you this little bit. Okay. Father Amort, the principal exorcist of the Rome Diocese, admits he has carried out more than 50,000 exorcisms. He adds, however, that in his opinion, only X number of the people who came to see him demanding help were genuinely possessed. Do you want to guess what that number is out of 50,000? Oh, this is interesting, and it ties into a little piece from the movie. Okay, genuinely possessed. I'm going to say single digits. I'm going to say 7%. Oh, okay, it's not given in a percentage, so out of 50,000. Okay, out of 50,000. Well, then, by that math, I'm going to say only 4,000. 
84. Oh, <gasps> wow. Very tiny. Tiny. Oh, oh my so goodness. a tiny fraction of your work. Okay. It, it was really actually tells me a lot. Legitimate. All right. Well, we're going to spoil uh, many things from the film here. So here's your spoiler alert. But Russell Crowe, as Gabriel Amort, but with much more hair and a beard, said like there was this big scene at the beginning where he casts a demon from this man tied to a bed into a pig. Yes. Oh, terrible. Yes. Yeah. And shoots the pig. Yeah. Then has somebody else immediately shoot the pig. And, you know, it looked like with movie magic and everything that this was actually happening. Like this guy truly had a demon and it was passed into the pig. And then the pig became animated with the possession. Well, later on in the film, he says, oh, that was just for show. Like that wasn't a real oh, exorcism. Oh, this. Okay. Yeah. So he was even discounting it there. So that's interesting. That was a little nod interesting. to. Interesting. Yeah. But, wow. That's smaller than 1%. So 50,000. So 1% would be 500. So that's, oh my goodness, that's 10% of 1%. 0.1%. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Bob claims to have performed 40,000 plus exorcisms at this point. So he's better keep busy, Bob. I know you're getting up there, but if you're going to catch up to Gabriel Amort, except I don't think Bob would give you that same number of ones that aren't real exorcisms. Right. Oh, yeah, totally agree. I think he would say most of them were real. You know, I also looked up on newspapers.com the names Gabriel Amort and Bob Larson together to see how many times they appeared together. Yeah. I could only find one place. The leader post in 2016, a review of a movie called Satan Lives. Okay. And I guess they were both in that. So they weren't doing too much together, not traveling the world together or anything. And as you got the sense of from (laughs) Bob's little introductory statements that we pulled from his review... Uh, He's not a fan of exorcism movies in general and what Hollywood does with the exorcist trope. Unless... Unless he's been paid as... (laughs) He's a consultant and then the movie ends up completely the same as all the other exorcism movies except maybe less swearing. Yeah, I was watching a video of his... You know, since we did our investigation, I must confess, I feel bad about this. I've been one of his like YouTube contributors. So I get get access to... You know, like special extra videos yeah, each too. month, and I need to stop doing it because. Oh, uh, I'm proud. Oh, I've given him so much money <laughs> through that, just this monthly drip. Anyways, I was watching one of his recent videos where he went into more detail in this film and his thoughts about it. Was he also? He's the exorcist on whom the exorcist is based, right? Oh, Gabriel Amort. Yeah. I maybe don't think so. Yeah, maybe look that up and see. The Devil Inside. That was the film that Bob was hired to not not even consult. Uh, it was after the film was out. They asked him to be a spokesman, and he even said like, "I wasn't endorsing the film, and I still don't." This uh, is Bob speaking. Yeah. Okay. But they had me interviewed for things attached to the film so I could educate the public more about what exorcisms really are. So it was a good opportunity to a mass audience. And they had him go to like a a sneak preview screening and bless the audience. So, you know, Bob can be paid to do these kind of stunts uh, around a film. And then he won't say so many bad things about it. But generally, he's against the genre and what Hollywood does. And he even had the story of meeting a writer from Hollywood. And he says, you would recognize the things he's worked on, but he didn't name any of them Mm -hmm. and said this guy told me that he does nothing but write horror all day every day that's his job and you could feel like the bob like storytelling creeping in just sort of exaggerating everything to the limit Uh, but he was saying that the writer told him i don't even know what evil is and i do this for a living so bob had to teach him what evil oh hell yeah he needed bob and (laughs) bob was right there yeah yeah it all feels like halloween to bob like he pretends he hates it but he so clearly loves it all (laughs) yeah he goes to every Uh movie and then is like oh this was another bad one i had to watch for you guys Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) and i only did it because i just freaking hated this i'm properly certified and trained to do this and so i need to warn you yeah but yeah you know it's funny because i've found myself in a few ways here agreeing with Bob, but maybe not for uh, reasons he might think. Like he was saying, yeah, I get it. Hollywood has to kind of amp up the stakes, the visuals, 
and, and he was talking about all these things like they're always tying someone to the bed and people are getting flung around the room and projectile vomiting and all these things that just don't happen. Yeah. And I agree, like Hollywood really has to ramp up an exorcism because by comparison, real exorcisms, pretty boring. I mean, I think it's very exciting to be there, but it's not ex- it's not like narrative. It's not cinematic. It's mm. not enough for a movie. Yeah. It's pretty exciting to be at a Bob Larson. Oh, for sure. And like just finding this situation in which someone feels at liberty to just kind of scream at the top yeah, of their lungs yeah. and shout curse words at Bob. That That is cool. Yeah. But on a film, it would be pretty boring. And it was. Here's us coming out of the Pope's Exorcist. It's April 18th, 2023. I'm leaving the Pope's Exorcist with Ross Blotcher. Did you enjoy yourself? I mean, sure. Yeah. It was amusing in its own way. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? That seems right. We're at the um, uh, Universal AMC. Yeah. I like going to the movies. Uh-huh. <laughs> so in that yeah. sense, yeah, it was yeah. good. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> it was a movie. There was a lot of unintentional humor. That's true. That's true. I doubt a lot of that stuff happens the way it was portrayed. <laughs> I bet none of it happened. It's, it's well, I bet there was a guy, and I bet he went to places and said, let me do an exorcism, and then yeah. they were like, yes, do the exorcism. So to that degree, I think okay. it's probably true. But it's funny, they say at the end that it's all based on, um, it's all fictitious. Yeah, there's that, that disclaimer. Where are we? Oh, you're right, we're this way. Yeah, there's that disclaimer, but obviously but it's like, he's... and all the characters are fictitious. Well, there's a real guy. You showed his picture at the end. Yeah. We know he's real. I think they just said that to get around all that. Legal but... uh, trappings. But yeah, it just, it, it always amuses me that exorcisms are so boring that Hollywood <laughs> even looks at that and says like, well, can we spice can we, this up somehow? Is there something we can do here? Yeah, what can we add? Can we it, have some explosions? Uh, uh, can we have blood on everybody? There's a part where Mother Mary appears out of the floor. Oh. Like, <laughs> where, where did she come from? Why? What? It's like the Michelle remembers of cinema. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels like they throw everything in the bucket. Like, uh, yeah. Every time you see the devil's eyes, like it takes on some new look. Like, oh, okay, now the eyes are all red, and now they look like uh, dragon eyes, and they're separating from the pupils of the oh, human. Oh, right. Yep. Yep. The pacing in that movie very strange. Like, yeah, yeah I just thought, like, okay, no character development, but we just go right into exorcisms, and then it's all just at the same level for like an hour and a half. And it like, feels really no, drawn like, out. I'm surprised that Bob hated that that much like right. is it just because he wasn't involved because he wasn't allowed to collaborate because he, he collaborates on, on other ones yeah I mean he had a lot of things to point out that he could say uh, you know isn't the way that he does things or yeah. what he technically believes but the movie's on his side because it's saying that this stuff is real and you should be afraid of it I forget did Bob ever answer the question of whether he'd been possessed uh, I don't think so my sense is no, and that's right. a silly question. Theologically, I think he just uh, thinks the devil's not that powerful you know, over a trained exorcist. <sighs> I mean, that seems so puffed up. But yeah, it was silly. It was a it silly was movie. It was silly. I don't know how he's worried about it. I don't know how Bob Larson thinks I'm going to get demons from that. I'm going to forget that oh, in 10 right. minutes. Oh, that's right. We were supposed to get demons from it. Yeah, or yeah. He said it's possible that we might get demons yeah. from it. So yeah. now I'm looking Take me home! Yeah, now I'm looking for <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a weird voice, but I couldn't believe Karen it was could still do my it. Voice. It, it didn't sound like ADR or anything like that. Now if suddenly it sounded like Adam Driver had taken over your vocal cords. Then I'd be like, whoa, whoa, uh uh-oh, get out of my car, Carrie. Yeah. (laughs) Or whoever you are. Instead, I just have phlegm now. Now I feel like I need to, like, check your eyes just to make sure nothing weird happens with them. Okay. Normo? Yeah, how how am I doing? (laughs) You're looking at me kind of intense, but other than that, pretty okay. (laughs) No, no, like lizard (laughs) Yeah, yeah, normal. Normal. All right, I guess we're fine. So hopefully we escape, but, you know, we'll find out later. We'll see. If we infiltrate the Vatican, watch out. You know, I gave the film like a one and a half stars on Letterboxd after watching it. And I think I was just feeling a little extra harsh that night. Mm, <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, you wasted my time. <laughs> I'd probably be less harsh now, but.
I'll leave it as is. Here's a weird fact. Yeah. When I bought our tickets, yeah. it showed the theater as like almost sold out. And yeah. then we got there and there were like six of us there. Yeah. You know, some more people did creep in after we kind of looked back at the audience, but it still oh, okay. wasn't full. Yeah. Yeah. What's up with that? What's going on there? What are they up to? What are these people up to? One thing that Bob said, and I don't know if this is true because Bob said it, but apparently the <laughs> average film return on income is... <laughs> Just so dropped in the middle of the thought yeah, and abandoned. He's an unreliable narrator. <laughs> Bob is still picking up the, the broken shards <laughs> of that dig. Okay, go on. He said that the average return on income is 2,000% for horror films. So you can huh. make a cheap horror film, but it'll bring mm. you so much money. Mm. Though, yeah. okay, here Skin we go. Rank. Bob also referred to The Devil Inside as he was talking about this film that he Hell yeah, dude. not consulted on but was a spokesman for. Uh, he said, and it was one of the biggest movies of all time. <laughs> Buddy! I look it up. <laughs> 101 million worldwide. Is not, that not a lot? No. Uh, I mean, it's sense. fine. It's okay. fine. It's not a dud. Right, right. But, it just it didn't put anyone in movie jail. Okay. Production budget was about a million dollars. So, all right. That is a good return on investment. And I should Bob. say, you were right. Gabriel Amort was not the exorcist's exorcist. Okay. That yeah. was based on... That was Raymond J. Bishop. Okay. Who I think, I think the... People in The Exorcist, Skeptical Inquirer, figured out who they were a couple years ago. Oh, yes. I remember that coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Anyway, uh, don't want to get too sidetracked here. Yeah. I think the person who made that discovery listens to the podcast. J.D. Sword. Sword. Yeah. Okay. Hey, J.D. Okay. After we saw the movie, we were like, maybe we should also learn something about Gabriel Amort from a reputable place. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And we found a documentary that had been made about him. In 20, I'm not looking, 20. After 2016, because that's 16. when he died. Okay. Okay. Oh, and he's dead in it? Yeah, it was either 2016 or 2017. It was shortly thereafter. Oh, but they, that's right. They mentioned in the documentary that he died. And that it, this is his last exorcism. Yeah, and uh, they got footage of him right at the end there, you know, and he died at 91 years old. So the guy who directed The Exorcist, the famous movie, also directed this documentary. That's bonkers. And he's the voiceover host, and he uh -huh. sounds he sounds so much like Donald J. Trump. Francesco and I left the church, left Alatri. For a half hour, neither of us said a word. I didn't notice that, but then you said it, it was like, oh, I can hear it. I wonder if they just came from a, the same part of New York yeah, or something. Yeah, maybe, maybe. It's really funny, though. So you watched that too? Yeah, that was fun because it showed what one of these real exorcisms, quote unquote, by Gabriella Mort looked like. And of course, nothing like the movie. But she does have a weird voice going on. So it's this yes. small woman. Mm-hmm. Burnett woman. This is in Italy. He speaks yeah. Italian. They're all speaking Italian. And she's sort of like, I don't know, she seems refined or something like you walk in and you can see that she's like oh it's yeah i'm embarrassed it's time mm. for my exorcism oh yes and okay. she's she's sitting in a chair and there's like over a dozen people there a lot of her family it's well lit and then when it's time for the exorcism to begin father amort starts giving his latin verses and she starts to kind of react in this way as if she's in like a little bit of a trance mm -hmm. she's moving around she's making little noises little grunts and very quickly she She's got demon voice. And it's I I was I was surprised by this. I was like, oh, does she have something in her mouth? Because she's yes. making two tones. Either she can mm -hmm. do that like throat singing thing where she can the make two tones. Throat singing. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking of that too. Or she got something in there. And actually, I think she got something in there. Oh, you think that she might have had something in her mouth that helped her to kind of speak in this double voice. Yeah, listen yes. to this. Like this is a cool sound. Yes. 
To the point where I suspected post-processing, like that they did uh, double tracking on the tape to repeat her voice. They could have done that. Or every now and then I'll make some utterance where I go like, oh, cool. My throat is configured in such a way that I can make that weird double sound right now. So she might just be proficient at that. Right. There is a thing you can do and some people do it trained to do it where you're vibrating two different parts of your vocal cords and Mm -hmm. it makes two tones it sounds really neat that was cool and it did make me stop for a second be like okay that's interesting same and okay here's why i think she had something in her mouth there's a part in the video where you were watching for it yeah where a third party passes in front of the screen between we're sort of in the point of view of the director so Mm -hmm. between us the director if you will and her And there's just enough time where everyone's comforting her and stuff that was like, oh, here's where she takes it out of her mouth. And Mm -hmm. then she's handed a glass of water. And I I don't know. It just seemed too perfect. Oh, wow. It really seems like a little switcheroo moment. I want to rewatch that section. I like that. Hi, I'm Jackie Cation. Hello, I'm Lori Kilmerton. We do a podcast called The Jackie and Lori Show, and you could listen to it anytime you want it because there's hundreds of episodes. Yeah, I mean, we've been doing comedy forever, and we should both quit. So why don't you listen out <laughs> before we leave this not only terrible business, but this awful world. And find out why we can't. <laughs> because we love it so. <laughs> Jackie and Lori Show, every week here on MaximumFun.org. Other interesting factors of his actual exorcism uh he was wearing like the priest robes and collar like you would expect but he had this long purple stole and it would be draped over his neck and then he had part of it over her neck yeah like he was blessing her with it or something this little detail was also something that you saw in the movie just like russell crowe did the real gabriel amort would have people around start praying mm-hmm. and he'd be like keep doing it keep praying that seemed to be in the movie it was like you're helping generate this extra prayer energy so mm. don't stop whatever happens don't stop praying oh yes so yes. important everyone clap for tinkerbell <laughs> right But the voice aside, either modified later or her having the ability or her using some sort of prosthesis to do this, that was the only thing that was like, well, that's cool, but still not supernatural. And, you know, I kept looking at her eyes. You couldn't see them too well, but her eyes weren't changing. She wasn't breaking the laws of physics. Nothing's levitating. She roiled about in her seat very dramatically, but one and later two guys were able to hold her without any problem. She didn't, like, throw them back. Her arms didn't bend backwards, and she didn't start, like, crawling up the ceiling. (laughs) Because, again, exorcisms look like real physical phenomena. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing this one was featured because this lady was having her cool voice exorcism. And this was her ninth exorcism, they said. That's too many. That either tells me that she has leftover demons and you have to keep coming back and getting rid of more and more. Or that the exorcism, I don't know, doesn't fully get rid of a demon. Yeah. Or that she's getting new ones and she's just porous and they need to focus on security before uh, calling it done. But even within the session, he kind of finishes praying with her and then like her father is all excited, kind of starstruck by, oh, it's Father Amort. And so he goes to like sit with him and have the father pray over him. They're having this little moment and she starts doing it again, making her noise again. So she can't oh, handle not being the center of attention for two ding it, dang seconds. Is it time for the 10th exorcism? Like, what are we doing here? What's the point of an exorcism? What is going on in her soul hotel? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I really thought she was probably faking it because she had this thing in her mouth. But if she didn't, we've got like a physical problem to deal with when you're at exorcism number nine. Right, right. Yeah. Something's wrong with the process here. Um, yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, you might have like epilepsy or something like Mm -hmm. stop going to the exorcist yeah and when she would stop doing it she would just go back to looking just kind of a little bewildered and 
and Bob doesn't agree with all of the accoutrement going on here. Uh, like people are holding rosaries and it was all in Italian, at least the part in the actual room. And I turned on the Google Translate uh, in real oh, time, nice. yeah. which is really funny during an exorcism because it's, <laughs> it's just little patchy phrases. And then occasionally you'll see something like potatoes or <laughs> oh, what was the other one I saw? Motorbikes. I was like, well, I know they didn't say that. <laughs> I hope they said it. I hope they said it. Oh. But there would be little segments and things I would understand. Like he said, the Virgin Mary, and it properly translated that. And of course, Bob wouldn't want to invoke her at all. Sure. Uh, might even think that that, <laughs> that was some kind of... Um, Idolatry or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe even bad spirit. I've never heard him say that. But it was fascinating, though, just to see what is considered a real exorcism performed by the Pope's exorcist. And got to say, it doesn't look too dissimilar from what Bob Larson is doing in English. Yeah, not at all. And at the end of this little film, or at least at the end of the 30-minute clip we were watching, he goes and finds her again. The director goes and finds the woman who got the exorcism, who I think her name is Christina. Right. And she had been regularly consulting with Father Amort, but now he was in the hospital and unavailable. So yeah, he said, okay, let's go meet in this park. And then she said, no, let's meet two hours away at this church. That wasn't clear, but it made it sound like she had misunderstood the directions as far as he was concerned. But then Mm. she called him and she was really upset. You know, where are you? And so then they go over to this church and for some reason they don't have their camera with them. Yeah, so we're just told the story as a, (laughs) you know, in hindsight. And, you know, maybe I'm being too judgy here, but it seems like whenever the really cool things come out about an exorcism and the, like, kind of supernatural portrayals, they're always when the cameras are not present. Yeah, it's always when someone doesn't have their iPhone. So for whatever reason, they didn't bring the camera inside the church, this film crew, (laughs) and then all these amazing things happen. (laughs) She's, Did you catch some of the things that happened? Well, she like well, first of all, it was 120 degrees in the shade out. It was so hot that day. But then okay. we went inside and it was freezing cold in the church. And she was sitting in like a white plastic chair. And I think it was like scuttling about the room or something. Like, cool, it would be really good to oh, see that with man. your film crew. Yeah, I think I was distracted by other things and didn't get these details. Yeah, yeah, that's so silly. It reminds <laughs> me of the owl stories. Mike Clellan's owl oh, yeah stories where these owls would turn into ufos and owls would light on trees suddenly and i was just like take out your ding dang phone yeah don't write it down i think this is a phenomena of storytelling exaggerating and forcing a person to craft the story to entertain an audience i think there's Mm -hmm. just i was gonna say a certain person i think we all kind of do this like when you're telling a story it's very easy just to amp up little details of it you know, just to make it more interesting, easier to tell, simplify things. Uh, you're trying to make sense of it in the telling, too, and you realize things as you're telling it. Right. And then the second time you tell it, now you're kind of reinforcing the earlier version. and It's getting a yeah. little more refined. And I feel like that's the phenomena that we're learning about rather than the phenomena of exorcisms. Though in this case, I'm a little like, also, maybe you'd be making some shit up sir yes oh yeah just outright yeah forgery i mean the director like that he's telling a story that he knows is not an accurate if he's recollection saying like chairs were flying around and shit maybe yeah i, I don't remember the exact description but he was describing supernatural things occurring and of yeah. course none of that happened on camera and bob himself will do the same thing he's got endless hours of youtube videos watching his exorcisms take place I have watched many hours of them and never seen anything that even for a moment made me think like, oh, how did they accomplish that? Or mm-hmm, how, did right. she, how did she bend that way? Or what pushed him in that direction? All of it just looks like play acting to me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, on, a, on a certain level, you know, and, and I think some people might be really into it and, and believing what's happening, but right, it right. feels real and physical. And yet he will tell stories, even though he was criticizing a lot of these theatrics for the film, he'll tell stories of people's eyes changing right in front of him. Her eyes became green and looked like a snake's. And mm-hmm. um, she had so much power. These six burly men could not hold on to her. Right, yes. It's like, oh, yeah, let's see that video. Right, and right. See if it matches up Take with your storytelling. Take out your phone. And Bob, you do seminars where 100, 120 people come. None of these people got this on camera. <laughs> 
you got cameras all over all the ding dang time. Yeah, it's always just, and this is true in the the ghost field and Bigfoot and so many other things we talk about, that as cameras become more available and everywhere all the time, we get less and less footage. And all the all the stories where something really, really interesting happened, a power went out or the software glitched or it got deleted or, you know, there's always a little excuse for why we didn't actually capture that. I'm always interested in the phenomenon of lying for Jesus. I always wonder how mm-hmm. many of these people are like, sure, I faked it, but... These things do happen. The, these things happen. They're hard to capture. I'm going to be the one who takes one for the team and acts <laughs> it out because it really does happen. And that'll convince all the viewers like Ross and Carrie. And then everyone will be on board. That's how not you get... realizing that's what you're all doing. Right. And that's how you end up with books like Michelle Remembers, mm-hmm. which I haven't actually read. But I've oh, heard man, you describe... you'd love Michelle Remembers. Oh, yeah. It's definitely have high Have I given on it my... to you? I have like, I think I have a copies. copy sitting okay. around. But if not, I will gladly borrow one. So, yeah, well, let's spoil the film a little bit more and talk about what happened. So we we talked about the whole pig incident. That was like the opening scene just to let us know, this is powerful. We're in an exorcism movie. This is exciting and happening. And then it goes back to like a little storytelling. People moving into a house. Yeah, you've got this family. It's a mom and her two kids, her younger son, who's probably, I don't know, 10. Yeah, who we will learn almost nothing about. Right. Yeah, he doesn't need a personality, but we immediately sympathize with him because he's just a little kid. He's a child. And, and then his sister is probably like 15. Yeah, 15. Yeah, 16. Angry teenager who's just done with this. Yeah. And uh, their father had died and all that he left them was this house in, <laughs> in Spain. Italy. I think oh, this was yeah, Spain. Maybe it was Spain. But they're Americans and they've run out of money completely. So they got to go to Spain or Italy. But the house is actually like an old chapel. Church. Yeah, church. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's so classic. Like your husband dies and you find out that you own a church in Spain. We've all been in there <laughs> so in order to like it's kind of like Shit's creek they're like well all we've got is this church so we got to go there and we got to clean it up and sell it and then we'll have money for the family again so as you might expect they've got uh, people working on the house doing renovations and retrofitting it so they can sell it but then the workers keep bumping into gas leaks. That was the big thing. Relatable. And there's this stone that's kind of seen through a hole, and that's causing real trouble. That's There's some problematic stone somewhere hidden behind mm. a facade or a wall. And eventually, whatever evil it is scares the workers away, but then leaves the boy as the first one possessed. And he starts saying horribly inappropriate things and groping his own mom's breasts and yeah, calling like, her horrible things. Yeah, like, no, let me put your tit in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah, something like that. And then she's like, no, no, you're my son. This is weird and I gross. I don't like this, yeah. The, the boy's freaking out. Both of them, the daughter and the mother. So they call in the priest because they assume, well, maybe it's something like this going on. All I remember is like this local priest coming in and just being far outclassed. He gets thrown out the door and Bob was so mad about this. And I thought for sure this younger local priest was going to be evil. Oh, yeah. Carrie kept leaning over like, I don't trust him. Yeah, I thought it was supposed to not. I thought it was stating the obvious like, oh, they want me not to trust this guy because he kept kind of like shooting like, I don't know, little little secretive glances. Yeah. And then they'd have him give half a piece of information. And I was like, where's the other half? That's okay. intentional. Yeah, yeah. You were keeping close eyes on this guy. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah, yeah. Like he'd come in from another room and they'd be like, where were you just now? And he'd be like, in the garden. And I was like, what? That's supposed to mean something. And yeah. then it wouldn't. He was just in the garden. <laughs> yeah, they're setting all this up and just never <laughs> yeah. paying off. So, of course, all these actual supernatural things happen. Like you see in real time writing scrawling on the boy's stomach. Oh, yeah. Like that sending some appearing. message. Keloid scars. Right. Instantly formed in front of us. Yeah. As opposed to in real life, someone shows you it later and then maybe you find out that they scratched it in themselves (laughs) carefully over time. And then tell you the story of it appearing immediately. And then say, why would I do this to myself? And then you're stuck being like, do I... Do I answer this? <laughs> yeah. Do, do I write lower on your stomach? <laughs> uh, how, I, how should I respond? It seems like you have some secondary gain from it. I <laughs> don't know. Oh, and when the demon threw out the priest, he said, get me the real father. Because he mm. he knew the demon. He uh, knew that he wanted 
Father Gabriel Amor. He wants now, a real challenge. Exactly. Like, bring me the real opposition. Yeah, boss level. So meanwhile, Russell Crowe, we've seen him in the opening scene, but he's uh, cruising around the Vatican. He's got this, he gets around on a little Porsche moped. Uh, yeah, which yeah. Which is hilarious. Like, a, 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 very, like a Vespa. Yeah, uh, but he's a very, he's a large man. And uh, it's it's just, cute. he just seems really perched on top of this yeah. little motor roller. But anyways, he uh, is at the Vatican. Like he's also going through troubles where they're trying to call him up on some kind of panel and accuse him of doing something that's out of date and that uh, exorcisms, basically. Right, right. Yeah, they're like, you're too hung up on the exorcism thing. And he's like, no, I'm not. And they're like, good point. And yeah, and he says, oh, that was just for dramatics, the whole pig thing. But um, yeah, some of them are real. So they got in that little piece of information. And Bob seemed to at least agree that Amort was at some point maybe not called up in front of a tribunal, but that there was some suspicion within the Catholic Church. Mm. I believe that. Sure. That maybe he was putting a little too much emphasis on this whole thing. But eventually this report gets to the Pope or whatever cardinal it is, and they say, oh, this looks like a job for you. Better head out there. So he goes out there all by himself to this church being retrofitted. And yeah, all hell breaks loose. Hey, yeah. that's where we get to use that phrase. Everything is bad so immediately. There's no levels in this movie. Yeah. Everyone's possessed. Boys possessed, then the girls possessed. Yeah. It's just like we hit the climax within like 25 minutes of this movie. Yeah, and then they just have to keep ramping it up. So, yeah, and it's kind of unsuccessful. So we have all of the contortions and the people turning green and the people screaming and the eyes changing. So they find like different ways to change the eyes. So like, oh, before the eyes turned this color. Well, now we've got a second set of pupils and they're, mm-hmm. you know, popping out the side of the normal pupils. And then, oh, now he's just got these red bloodshot eyes. Her skin's changing. Yeah. Constantly ramping it up to the point where like, okay, now we need bigger explosions. Now mm-hmm. we need people flung on the ceiling. Now, we need, you know, ugh. it's just, for me, it's frustrating. I would be interested in something that felt like it had a grounded, I guess, theology. Like it felt like it really yeah. came from like, oh, I found enough interesting aspects about historical exorcisms yeah. that I can work them into this plot. But instead it became like this like national treasure version I know. of exorcism. I, I find it so annoying. Like that's what frustrated me at this general meeting <laughs> just like why it's interesting that we have exorcists yeah show me the movie about the actual exorcist and what happens because that's right. wild we have exorcists so okay now major spoilers so it turns out there's this big underground chamber and uh oh yeah the chamber the demon that lives there actually is asmodeus and you know what i brought along i bought this at the conscious life expo i bought my occult tarot Oh, nice. And I want to see, I think he must be included here. Was this by that guy whose talk we saw? Yeah, Travis McHenry. Nice. And a beautifully produced deck. Cool. With like the, the red foil on the edges. So cool. Okay, this guide says, causes passionate rage and desire, wastes beauty of virgin women, causes strife in marriage, resonates with the king of wands in the traditional tarot okay okay wow bob real homewrecker bob was really mad about this because he was saying oh sure i encounter asmodeus all the time uh on a weekly basis but Mm. he's not even yeah sure he's a demon of lust but he's not even the main one you know you've got your little (laughs) jezebel you've got jezebel we all know he definitely mentions lucifer he's talking about all these bigger demons so like how ridiculous that asmodeus is the one who's been lurking in this chapel for years and has this plan that he already executed once before during the inquisition to inhabit an exorcist Oh. And infiltrate the Vatican. Oh. And th- th- this already happened. Yes. And so they were essentially, they were insinuating in all uh, saying almost outright that Asmodeus had infiltrated the Vatican and was the cause of the Inquisition. Oh, I'm so glad you were following this. Okay. <laughs> and that's this whole national treasure thing. They have to uncover this, find the pool downstairs. Oh, this is when I was peeing. Where there's the throne. That's true. You did leave during a, kind of a crucial moment okay, in the plot okay. development there. But the idea was that he was luring the priest there so that he could possess him, then sure. go back to the Vatican and cause a second either Inquisition or something equally horrible. Uh, 
Oh my goodness. He can't let that happen. Look at Asmodeus, though, on my computer. Look how cool he looks. Oh, hey, yeah. I think that's actually the exact same illustration used in this book. Pretty cool. So, yeah, he's like kind of a human, kind of a ram, kind of there uh, he is. a... Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, that is the same drawing. He's got multiple faces. Yeah, kind of like those description... A cow. In, uh, a in the Bible of these like four-headed creatures. Yeah. Pretty cool. So, and then just to continue the plot. So, this was just one of 200 of these sites that are apparently infected by these chief demons Mm, around the earth. The poles that Twin Ray spoke of. God, you were paying attention. So, then at the end, they're like, one thing that really bothered me is I was telling Carrie, like, oh, it looks like they defeated the demon and all of this exploding blood and fire and everything like that. But. I bet he's going to get back to the Vatican, which he did. And I bet the demon's actually going to still be inside him because Russell Crowe, as a mort, much to Bob's chagrin, does get possessed. He's like, that would never happen. He was a righteous man of God. Which, Bob, you've been very clear this can happen to Christians. Yeah, but not someone with this kind of training. I don't know if he says that. Protected by Jesus. In this one review, he clearly said that a mort should not have been susceptible. No, I know, I know. Oh, okay. I just mean like, I don't know if he's ever been clear about like, okay, okay. well, why? What makes you special? What yeah, makes you special? Yeah, because he's like a Christian special? plus. You know? Right, he, right, he knows, right. I just don't know that that's internally he, consistent. He knows the devil's wiles. Sure, sure. Uh, so then they get back to the Vatican. I was waiting. I thought this would have been a fun twist, though I was already sour on the movie at this point. If it turns out, oh, he actually was still inhabited by Asmodeus. No way. Nope, and it in, wasn't. In these United States, you need to to know that all the Christians can go to this movie and say, oh, good, good triumphed over evil. The movie was over. Uh, 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 what's his name? Who's the uncle in The Lion King? Oh, uh, Scar? Scar. Scar's dead. Everything's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He can't come back. But no, instead it was, oh, we've just taken care of one two hundredth of the problem. Right. So let's team up. I know I'm pretty old, but you're pretty young. New priest who's just gotten into this. The one who seemed creepy. Yeah. And who, oh, that was another thing. The demons kept spouting information that only the priest could have known. This was a secret. How could you have known that I had an affair with one of the parishioners, one of the women, and then she shows up naked in the film? Possible to know. Similarly, Russell Crowe's demon fighter had uh, this dark interaction with a woman in the past it wasn't a sexual thing but uh the demons kept bringing that up anyway so now yeah they're gonna go do a buddy comedy and like attack these (laughs) other 199 sites so i guess it's open for a sequel if it makes enough money and if it does we will watch that sequel and we will tell you about it and ross will tell me what happened even (laughs) though i saw it Uh, so there we go. Yeah, I I was a little soured on the movie afterwards because it was not good. Well, and it was just so much longer than it needed to it's be. So long. Like, if you just make it was so long. If you make a smart cerebral exorcist film that's Uh much simpler and much cheaper you could save so much on your budget we'll go i would we'll help you oh my god i would be we can be your spokespeople yeah yes and the uh what's it called what's it called where you tell people what to do influencers um (laughs) that's true too but no 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 uh uh you know they hire you shoulder angels you know consultants consultants oh consult yes can be your consultants oh yeah yeah we're exorcists yeah trained Exercise. Bye, Bob Larson. So, uh, yeah, by all means, that's really the point of this episode. Yes, film <laughs> companies making low-budget horror films or high-budget horror films, bring us in. We will talk about your film, and we will advise you. But if you try to say, I maybe I was really haunted, I'm not making your movie. <laughs> I wasn't on it. It was gas. That's the point. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah, let's not miss that's the, the point. point. That's the point. Well... I'm glad you suggested this, Carrie. It I'm was, glad you came. It was fun because we were doing it for this purpose. I think if I had just gone to see the movie on my own, I might have felt more ill-served. Like the time that I was like, Ross, I have free tickets. We got to go to um, this haunting movie at this weird theater in Glendale that serves full meals. Mm-hmm. And it was also bad, but we couldn't even review it for this podcast. Oh, I, re- I remember the one you're talking about. Yeah, The, the Grudge? <laughs> It was a new, oh, yeah, newer version of The Grudge. Wow, yeah. good memory. Really bad. Uh, <laughs> it was. I mean, we had a fun time laughing at it and hopefully didn't piss off other people <laughs> in the theater. You know, as I was 
taking all of Bob Larson's courses, I kept like giving myself a little side assignment. Like I wanted to have a minor in exorcist films. I was like really determined <laughs> to like, let's watch all of the exorcist films. Yeah. And I, I started watching a few and I realized like, there are so many films about exorcisms. Yes, totally. I'd bitten off a bit more than I could chew. And there you have it, folks. So if you want to go see The Pope's Exorcist, you certainly can. We're not going to stop you. And we won't tell you that you might get demons if you see this film for curiosity or entertainment. Because you won't. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Yeah, did we? Because we did yes! We did go out of curiosity. Oh, Carrie, you need some water? I should have told you this the whole time. I'm In your own man. house, let me help you get some water. Yeah. Do you think she was using a vocal thing? Wait, do you think that we should do it to ourselves? Well, that too. But do you think the young lady in the Gabriel Amorth clip, yeah. do you think she was using? Um, It's a cool theory. My gut is that she just is able to do this on command. I think it's achievable, but pretty cool. Like a double tone mm-hmm. vocal thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable the, possibility the too. equivalent of the throat singing there's also definitely some echoing going on so maybe they've got her in an echoey place and maybe that helps because i know i've done that at certain points where it's like oh i'm making that sound that's cool i'm going to keep doing it while i can interesting and i don't think i've ever away. been able to do it and i'm not even going to try right now because then i feel like i'll just fail and i'll be sad there are some very impressive videos on youtube of people doing the double tone singing go look everybody it's amazing yeah Tuva, the t-u-v-a-n just do a search for that throat that's singing cool. and there's like music videos there's there's like a band that sings like that. Oh, really? It that's is cool. freaking cool. Yeah, it's yeah. neat. There you go. That That's your internet deep dive <laughs> after listening to this. Well, we're taking next week off because we have demons, but we'll be back the following week. And uh, don't worry, we'll be using that time to uh, record some really fun content we've got saved up for you. We got some good stuff, people. Well, that's it for this show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. Thank you so much to everyone who supports us financially, makes this podcast possible. If you are able, please join MaximumFun.org slash join. Otherwise, you can leave us positive reviews. You can tell a friend, spread the word, make. I always think of a tea cozy. That's all I can think of that people would make. Mm, That sounds nice. Is a tea cozy that says on rack. Do it. Or one of our catchphrases. Explain it to everybody who comes over for tea. (laughs) And remember. So why are horror films popular? Why? They stimulate. But not in a good way, not in a positive way. It's an adrenaline rush. But horror films also make it safe to explore the dark side of the human soul. You can watch Hannibal Lecter cannibalize from a safe distance. And when it comes to exorcisms, Hollywood smells money in the making. I'm sure you've noticed how giant corporations are controlling more and more about what we consume, whether it's our food, our news, or even the shows we enjoy. The Greatest Generation is a show that stands up to Big Star Trek and says no. We can laugh about costumes that fit too tightly in the groin area. We can make a Star Trek podcast that's basically only about that. The Greatest Generation. The show for free and independent thinkers about Star Trek. And the groins of different costumes. Reviewing every episode in order. So subscribe to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org. You'll be doing your part in telling the Star Trek industrial complex that they can't control your mind. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.